Last week, I suggested to all of us that this God, this mysterious other that we name God, that we come here to worship, to gather, to sort of talk about and connect with, is beyond our understanding. And it's so difficult for us to try to communicate or talk about this divine other, this holy creator, because words just seem to strain, and we don't understand, and it's confusing. And so that makes it really difficult. And this week, I would like to follow up by saying, but part of the great mystery of our faith is that while God is beyond description or real complete understanding, this God is one that we can experience. That's what our Christian tradition teaches us. That's what the, the Bible offers to us. The Bible is a collection of, of numerous stories of different peoples at different times and places that had an experience with this divine other. And this morning, in our text from Matthew, we have several folks that had an incredible experience with this God, particularly Mary and Joseph. And we find ourselves in 2022 sort of, uh, well, betwixt and between with this particular story, because it's a story we've heard many, 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 many times. And the familiarity of this story can cause it to lose its impact upon us. It's punch. It's become so familiar, it's, it's become somewhat tame. And I think this particular story and, this, and the message of the gospel is that people that experience God, while they find it hard to explain, it's generally not tame. Whatever it is, it ain't tame. And what's so hard to talk about these experiences is because they're so personal. And so what I experience in the depth of my soul with this divine being, when I try to communicate it to you, words just come apart. It's hard to express. And when you have an experience with this divine other and try to communicate to us, Words just fail. They, they, they come apart. They strain. And yet, one of the things that seems, at least in my study, over the more than 50 years I've been messing with the book we call the Bible, it's not tame. And so the story as given to us about Mary and Joseph is one such story. So as it's been handed to us, and as Bob read it to us this morning, it goes that Mary and Joseph had been engaged to be married. Now, in this particular time and place, an engagement period lasted up to a year. And during that year, the families would prepare for a week-long festival, a marriage festival, where there would be plenty of food and wine and celebration. And during this year period, even during the engagement, the engaged couple were considered married. And even though they did not have relations, as Matthew goes to great pains to record for us, they did not have intimate relations uh, physically, 
they were considered married. Married. And so that's the background. Now, can you imagine for Mary and particularly Mary to realize you are with child and you've not been with any man? That's different. <laughs> and how are you going to explain that to your fiance? That's going to be quite a conversation. I'll bet she had many a sleepless night planning the conversation in her mind. How do you explain this situation? And yet she had to have this conversation because I'm sure, as most pregnant ladies discover, at some point you begin to show that you are with child and everybody sort of catches on. So I don't know how it's not recorded for us story-wise, how Mary and Joseph had this conversation. But I'm sure at some point she had to sit him down and say, you better sit down. <laughs> he say, why? What's going on? I, you just better sit down. <laughs> well, what's going the, the tone of your voice is, I, sit down. <laughs> I got to tell you something. Well, why? I love you. You can tell me anything. Why? We could, we, no matter what it is, we're going to go through this together. We're in love. We're going to get married. Joseph, I'm pregnant. I can't imagine the devastation in his soul with those words. And, and, and then Mary probably followed up with something. Well, now, 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 it's not what you think. What do you mean it's not what I think? What is there to think? And I imagine, look, Bethlehem was not a big town. I imagine he's running through his mind possible fathers of this child that were not him. I wonder if it was Levi or if it was Joshua or I wonder... I wonder if it, was if it was Malachi, I'll kill him. I've always hated Malachi. Mary, Mary, who? Who? And Mary's going, Joseph, Joseph, it's not what you think. What do you mean it's not what I think? And she goes, I've not been with anybody. What? Joseph, this is from God. And Joseph probably, you're sick. <laughs> I mean, you're really sick. It's one thing to do what you've done. But to claim that it's from God, oh, Mary. And I imagine he just probably went home devastated, feeling violated. And Mary, how would she feel? She said yes to God, this being we call God. She just said yes. And her life is coming apart at the seams. I... I there was a law on the books. I mean, I don't think it's likely to have happened, but there was a law. She could have been considered an adulteress, and the men of the village could have come and drag her, drug her out of her house and stoned her. And so that night, Joseph goes home. And I imagine he found it very hard to go to sleep. And yet he did, because we know he had a dream. And the amazing thing is he followed or believed the dream and attributed the dream to an experience with this divine other that we call God. I mean, I've had dreams in my life. I imagine you've had dreams in yours. I've never changed. 
the trajectory of my life based on a dream. I've never changed, I've never made a major life decision based on some dream I had. I, maybe you have. But Joseph could have easily woken in the morning and said, man, I had some bad matzah yesterday because that was just wild and blown the dream off, but he didn't. He listened to it. He believed it as an experience with God. And for Mary, I don't know that Mary did get to sleep that night, waiting to hear if the men of the village would come for her, or what would happen. And, and imagining the talk of the villagers, because, well, you know how people talk, for crying out loud, you're people, you know what people do. In a small town like that, she probably had begun to show Mary, Mary, Mary. Goody two-shoes Mary, always at church. Well, you got to watch out for those good church girls. They're not always what they seem. Her reputation, all that she was. I, I can't imagine what her night must have been like. Now, if I was Steven Spielberg and I were going to film this, you know, I, I would imagine, so I would catch Joseph in the morning waking up realizing that he's had an encounter with the living God and he's sleeping. And he throws his clothes on and he runs out of his house at, at sunrise and I could see him running down the, the dirt path of the village and I would have a shot of stones or pebbles flying from the back of his sandals as he's running to Mary's house. And he gets to Mary's house and, and Mr. Mary, that, Mary's dad, <laughs> opens the door, says, what do you want at this hour? And everybody in town heard you two fighting last night. What are your intentions with my daughter? What are you going to do? And I imagine Joseph just threw Mr. Mary aside and ran to Mary's room and fell on his knees and says, I believe you. Will you forgive me? And I don't understand, but we're going to go through this together. I believe this is of God. And Mary, can you imagine her heart exploding like she can't, you know, moments before she's probably terrorized, but now she, someone believes her. And they hug each other and they hold each other. Two obscure, poor people in the backwoods of Palestine in an occupied land. Two just forgotten people holding each other and holding a secret that nobody could understand or believe and the trajectory of the human race would be different because of their saying yes to their experience of God. I cannot imagine they had any understanding. But the cost for them to say yes was incredibly high. It cost them their reputations. It nearly cost them all that they held dear. It cost them all the ego stuff that we amass to prop ourselves up in public was shattered when they said yes to allowing the Christ to be birthed in them, to have an experience, a living experience of God. 
And my sisters and my brothers, my siblings, what I suggest to all of us is that saying yes to an experience with God sometimes may cost us everything we hold dear. But the great good news of our Christian faith is that it's worth it. It is worth the price. And, and, and then I think for Jesus, the cost. I mean, if the theologians are to be believed that Jesus is this, the manifestation of the second person of the Trinity, divine, sent to earth to take on human form, to become incarnate, so that we could all have relationship with this creator God. If the theologians are to be believed, what is the cost for Jesus? I mean, can you imagine being a divine being, always in loving communion with the creator, perfectly intertwined, to wake up and find yourself on straw in a manger as a baby? And to spend 30 years in basic obscurity, having a three-year mission where you preach a little, do some miracles. At the end of it, you get the thrill ride of a lifetime on a cross where you're tortured and murdered. And, and from the cross at the end of Matthew's gospel, in Matthew 26, it's recorded that Jesus said, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, my God, my God, where are you? The one who had always known deep intimacy with the creator is ripped from that intimacy so that we could all have intimacy, as the theologians teach us. And I'm just suggesting that the cost of an experience with this divine being may cost us everything we hold dear. But again, I say, our tradition teaches us it's worth it. Whatever the cost, it is worth it. Jesus, during his ministry, talked about told a story about the pearl of great price and said, when you discover it, it is worth everything. And you'll gladly relinquish all you have to hold on to it. An experience with this living God is beyond the pearl of great price. And that's what we're going to celebrate next Sunday is an experience with this God. Emmanuel has come to be one of us, with us, and to have an experience with this divine being. And so it will be my prayer that for each of us over the next week or so as we celebrate the Christmas season, we have parties to go to, we have to get gifts for people we really don't like just to get them something. And we have all these things that we have to do. We're going to eat more than we should. And we're going to have sugar comas. And we're going to traffic and phone calls and emails. And as we go through all of it, it will be my prayer that somehow it gets cut through, that we have an experience with this divine other that captivates our hearts and that we will know we are loved and accepted beyond what we could ever dream or imagine. And that it will make living worthwhile. Now it may cost us something, but there is nothing like it. 
For me, that is the hope of the Christmas season, that Christ would be born in each of us and us collectively as a community. May it be so.